Next on BYU Sports Nation, shock effect. Quarterback Zach Wilson and the BYU football offense already shocked the coaches in week one of fall camp. What would shock you in week one of the season? Is the offensive line getting too much preseason recognition? What one coach said that has us rethinking. Plus, the BYU opponents featuring some of college football's best names on their rosters. Eat your heart out, Hingle McCringleberry. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday, August 6th, wherever, however you're connected Fantastic to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man I've been praying next to since Beck to Harleen in 2006, Jerem Jordan. Apparently we pray a lot on the show. Did you know that? During the show, too? Uh, John Beck, some lesser-known quarterback. Of, oh, wait, he's one of the greats. Never mind, my bad. Uh, John Beck, our homie, tweeted the following yesterday. Came home from my son's practice, tried to find some updates from BYU football practice. I click on a video, and this shot pops up while the video is loading. Looks like it caught the pre-BYU Sports Station prayer between Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linden. LOL. Yeah. I had to snap it. Well, we blinked at the same time. And uh, it looks like we're praying. Do we have a pre-show prayer? Maybe we ought to do one. Maybe <laughs> would our, rating, maybe our would ratings would go up. Would that help BYU football if we did that? I'm willing to try anything, clearly with the dream catcher. I think we should all pray more, regardless of whether it's related to BYU and Utah. (laughs) I'm off my soapbox. Okay. You don't want to continue along that? Well, I will. We have an hour show. I can say whatever. (laughs) Yes, we have 58 minutes left. And speaking of today's show, here's your lineup. BYU offensive line coach Eric Mateos. Why he's fired up for the BYU offensive line, but it's... Not why you might think he's fired up. Also, we play toss-up. Who's the faster BYU player? Several fun comparisons there. And Jerem's top names that BYU football will face in the 2019 college football season. With that said, here are your top BYU Sports Nation headlines. Welcome to day six of BYU football fall camp. We're nearing three weeks from the rivalry kickoff as BYU prepares for their longtime rival Utah Utes. Head coach Kalani Satake, what's on your mind? We threw some things at the guys and made things really difficult. uh, Whether that's uh, install or uh, the way we're we're framing our practices, I think it's supposed to get the most out of our guys. So um, I'm not sure it's supposed to look pretty right now, but hopefully it'll look really, really nice by the time we get to game time. All right, practices understandably becoming more difficult and more challenging. Practice six today, no media availability. BYU and UMass will play November 23rd at noon Eastern time, 9 Pacific on Flow Sports and Nesson. This will be the fourth and final matchup in a two-home, two-road series. Four BYU players are on the watch list for the College Football Polynesian Player of the Year Award. Defensive tackle Kairos Tonga, tight end Moroni Laolupututau, linebacker Isaiah Kafusi, and wide receiver Aleva Hipa. Congratulations to all four BYU players. Is that the only racial award watch list? Is it the only one? I think so, right? I have no idea. I think it is. I'm not even sure how to respond to that. Yeah, I don't know either. It just 
Their other races don't have their own watch list. It's interesting. <laughs> Kai Nakua was waived by the Carolina Panthers. Nakua broke into the league as an undrafted free agent in 2017. He spent time with the Browns, Ravens, and Panthers. There is an award for Texas players specifically. The Earl Campbell Award. Okay. So, <laughs> so like the, the Jim McMahon Award. Can we make the BYU Sports Nation yeah. uh, Western United States Award? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Location. It's like, oh, okay. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. We have learned that QB1, Zach Wilson, the sophomore gunslinger, is going to have more control of the BYU football offense this season. That, courtesy of quarterback's coach, Aaron Roderick, he also said this. We want to really run the team this year, and a year ago, um, the play call dictated a lot of what we did, and this year we're trying to put a little more in the quarterback's hands. Jerem, do you like the idea of Zach Wilson having more control of the in-game offense? If this was how it was last year, BYU would have won the Utah game. They took the ball out of Zach's hands, and uh, I know Zach was hoping to have the ball in his hands more uh, in that game, as as you and I know. Um, it's okay. You learn and you live, right? So now that Zach is not a freshman and they know who he is and they know that he's a football junkie and he doesn't have hobbies, football is his hobby, right? He can handle this. Yes, I love this. He's so cerebral and ready for this. He doesn't have a social life. Football is his social life, right? And who needs balance? There's this idea that to be great, you have to have balance. If you want to be great at something, you have to spend time and money on it, right? Like, does anyone talk about how good of a dad Michael Jordan was? No one talks about that. They talk about how great a football or a basketball player he was, right? You have to, to be great at something, you have to give it time. And Zach Wilson is overloading in his life to be a great quarterback. And I couldn't love this more. Balance is great, um, but to be great at something, you have to really focus on it. And I think Zach Wilson is doing that. It's hard to find balance and be great at multiple things. You can be great at, like, one thing, maybe two. Well, I'm opinion. thinking of a guy like Drew Brees, but he's the exception, right? I mean, Drew Brees seems to have balance, and he's excellent at quarterbacking, and he's a good family guy, but that's the exception. It's yeah. really difficult. He probably doesn't spend a lot of time in season with his family. He's at the office, right? Sets it's just what it is. the expectation that, yeah. hey, during the season, this is how it's going to be. I'll yeah. make up for it later. Sure. So there and is later in life, too, a little bit. Times right? of imbalance within each calendar year, sure. To answer the question, I love this because Zach Wilson is a kid that thrives on knowing he has the trust of his coaches. He was bothered that the coaches didn't trust him enough late last season. like, And he made that apparent to us in interviews he did with us on BYU Sports Nation following the Utah game and following his perfect performance in the bowl game. He was not shy about that. He's brash. He's very confident. That's fine. Yes. He's a guy that thrives knowing the coaches trust him. He's worked hard to earn that trust. Right. So you, why wouldn't they at this point? Right. And maybe he hadn't earned it uh, to a certain degree, right, from the coaching staff. But now he has more control. He's going to make the offensive line calls. The offense is going to be more in his hands, right? This doesn't mean that Zach's, like, calling his own plays. It's not to that degree. But Aaron Roderick said something to the effect of, well, last year the play was dictated by what we called, but now it's, you know, Zach can make certain reads and certain choices. He had to earn that. He had to show that BYU's in position to beat Boise State, in position to beat Utah, 
right? And then a, a perfect uh, Western Michigan performance, right? He showed that he can earn more. Is it, is it like fully there yet? No, he's only a sophomore. This will be start eight. It's early. The, the dude is clearly a football junkie. Do yourselves a favor, and if you haven't heard Zach Wilson break down a single play, like an individual play, whether it's in practice or a game, he's done this a few times on camera. Like, go do this. It is fascinating to hear like go, him talk about Go walk about up to him and ask him? What X's are you saying? and O's. And no, I'm saying like he's done this with we, us. We should record it. Yeah, we, we've asked a him new one. Yeah. on the show. Like yeah. he's on record talking about a play, even the 70 yard pass to open up camp to Aleva Hifo. The nuances that he brings up, and it's just so natural for him. Like he's earned the trust. I love this. Why would you not trust Zach Wilson right now? And Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick have both said he's way ahead of the game in terms of understanding the offense. So we shouldn't be shocked at all. Topic two: QB one had this to say Friday about fall camp so far. I think even the coaches were a little shocked coming out on the first day, like, like whoa, like this, this looks good. Like, this offense looks solid. Um, I know they were expecting mistakes, and I know they weren't expect, expecting us to be perfect, but um, I definitely think we shocked them a little bit. And the shock factor hopes to be continued not just through this week and fall camp, but into the season as well. I think we're going to shock a lot of people. Um, of course, I'm going to say that just because I really believe and I have confidence in this team. Okay, Spencer, what would shock you in week one against Utah? Let's not overlook the obvious one. A win over Utah, where BYU is a considerable underdog on their home field to lose for a ninth consecutive time. A win over Utah would be shocking. I don't think so much to us who are so heavily inundated with the BYU-Utah rivalry here, but everybody else across the nation, if BYU beats Utah, we're talking about a top 15 win to open the season when you're essentially a touchdown underdog on your home field and you haven't beat them since 2009. That alone would be shocking. Now, what would really shock me is if this game is decided by more than single digits. I just do not see this game being a blowout, especially in game number one, because of what's happened in the past between BYU and Utah. And especially, I mean, you want to talk about the shocker of shockers? If BYU beats Utah by more than nine points. Like if BYU had a double-digit win, blow the roof off. <laughs> I, I don't know anything at that point. Like that, that would be the ultimate shocker of shockers is if BYU had a convincing win against Utah. What about you? I won't be shocked if BYU beats Utah. It's only a six-point line, and uh, the margins have been so tight, and we've talked about this. In independence, the margin has been five points a game. Five points. That's it. So it's one score. It's literally one play. It's literally Taysom Hill on a two-point conversion. I know Utah's ranked 15th. I know they're the preseason pick to win the Pac-12. But because of how close this has been, because of what we're saying about Zach Wilson, because of who BYU returns, because of last year's game, I won't be shocked if BYU beats Utah. Yet, if you blind resume Utah, I'd be like, oh, this is going to be really tough. BYU wins that. That's great. Whatever. I will be shocked if it's a blowout, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU versus Utah is the closest margin of victory in any series in college football in the last 25 years, minimum 20 games. The average margin is 9.25. That's out of 213 different matchups. That's unbelievable. Now, Cougar stats provided that stat, by the way. You qualify a blowout as 17 plus? Yeah, three possessions. Okay. So three possessions. So 
Yeah, more than three scores. Yeah, 17. All right. Yeah, I, I do not think that will happen. And again, I will be shocked if it's even double figures on either side. This game is typically weird. It's typically close. Yeah. Hey, Utah, if Utah's supposed to be so good, why is the margin six? Why is the line six? It's weird to me. Well, like, I if think they're so good, it should be like 11. That could, that could go up. Should be nine. It could, could jump. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. It won't jump higher than like eight, though. You know, it, it'll, it's going to stay a one-score line, which is wild, considering how good Utah's supposed to be, right? But I think people expect BYU to be better. How much better? Not sure, right? Maybe a game. And on their home field. Yeah. And there is yeah. that idea of the rivalry factor, which Vegas knows. Vegas knows all about it. They do all the research that you just brought up, the Cougar stats brought up as well. Right. It, it, just because the rivalry doesn't mean it's going to be close, it, but it's been close, therefore it could be close, right? Like the rivalry of Boise State and Idaho, they don't even play now. Like, it's so bad they don't even play. Can we play the yeah. game already? How many days are we away? Countdown to the Utes. 23 days. 23 days Ooh. away, to be exact. Three weeks from Thursday. On to topic three, the BYU offensive line. We discussed them again yesterday. They've been getting all types of attention. Loaded. Most deep position group. Well, their new offensive line coach, Eric Mateos, had this to say. To be honest with you, they give freshman All-American to any freshman that starts and plays the whole season. That's just what they do. That's just that's how college football works. Okay, so he's qualified the freshman All-American status for James Empey because he started every game as a freshman. So if he qualifies it as that, are we overvaluing the offensive line? Are we buying too much into the hype right now? That's part of a conversation you'll hear in the next segment, uh, recorded yesterday, by the way, with Eric Mateos. Um, perhaps we, we've based a lot of this on what Pro Football Focus has said, which they have said that uh, James Empey and Brady Christensen are two of the top centers and uh, left tackles in the country, right? Not just for freshmen, but overall. Regarding James Empey and his freshman All-American status, Eric Mateos, uh, quite unimpressed with uh, that nod saying, what you just heard about, well, they'll give it out to anyone who starts uh, all year, right? Thomas Schoff was a freshman All-American. I wouldn't say he's an All-American right now. So I'd, perhaps there's some value to that idea. But it just means that their quality in some capacity at that level, right? They don't give sophomore of the sophomore All-American or junior All-American awards, right? On Media Day, Jeff Grimes told us they were good for freshmen, but now they've got to be good for everybody. And in fact, last week... We talked about it. Jeff Grimes said this about the O-line needing to play better. But I think we've got a group that last year met a certain standard, and that standard was they're playing pretty well for a bunch of young guys. And now that's not the case. And so this year we need to play really well for a bunch of guys with experience, and that bar is set at a different mark now. The pendulum has swung from hype to perhaps overhype. I, I don't know. It's uh, the line coach making that assumption. Perhaps they're trying to uh, light a fire into those guys saying, you've earned nothing, right? And uh, right after the season, we weren't saying, this O-line's really, really good. We were saying, well, they come back because it's hard to quantify how good an O-line is. Here's what happens when you get pretty good at something and you are being instructed and led and guided by coaches that are specific to that position. They get more nitpicky. The picks and nits, like you can get very, very, very detailed in this. Like, ah, it's really sloppy. That looks really bad. Like, this is what happens. Last year, they were young. They needed the encouragement. They were doing basic things consistently pretty well. Now it's advanced techniques 
And if those advanced techniques are not on par with where the coaches want, you better believe they're going to point that out. So the this standard's is higher now? This is life, yes. The standard's higher. And it, it doesn't matter what profession or what sport you're playing. Like, if you get better at something and you are becoming an expert in it and you are still seeking to get better and you have people critiquing you, they're going to find any little thing and they're going to blow that up because that's how they make you better. That's how they create the the thirst and the hunger to become the best of the best. This that's is good one coaching. teaching method. This is good coaching. Yeah. And again, tone tone is is important in all this. You can still do this without berating and belittling and totally destroying the confidence of a young man. But every test berated the idea. Player <laughs> responds differently. Okay, that yeah. that's fine. Like, yeah. hey James, I know you're a good player. We've seen all this on film. But if you want to be the best then you need to do this. You need to get better at this. You need to get better at this. Hey, I had that moment in my life as a broadcaster. I spent three weeks on this story on Daniel Coates, who had twins and he had three kids and he was still at BYU and he was balancing all this crazy life schedule. And I take this story and show it to my superiors at my internship. And they say, hey, good idea. I would never put this on TV. And I was like, I just spent like a month on this thing. Like, I tried so hard. And I'm feeling all good about it. Like, yeah, yeah, this is accomplished. Everyone else is telling me in my class, like, oh, it's such a good story. It's great. And then I took it to the person that mattered. And I said, I would never put that on TV. And at that moment, I was like, oh, I kind of feel really bad right now. I was really mean last night for KSL to do that. I kind of feel really (laughs) bad right now. But... You have to respond somehow. And that made me want to get better immediately. I was like, okay, well, tell me what I need to do. And they gave me a, lo- a laundry list of things to do. This, it, it applies to anything. If you want to be great, like you need this type of critique. Yeah, I don't know. Our question of the day, what would shock you in week one of BYU football versus Utah? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Nelson Abbott answers on Facebook. A decisive win. Not just a one-point win, but a 20-point spread. Why 20? Why 20 just specifically? Just double figures. Just double figures. The last time BYU won by double figures was 23 years ago. Listen, when you go to Goodwill or Deseret Industries and they don't have Gucci, you can't be that picky, right? You, you want a one-point win, okay? At least. If right? Taysom Hill gets That's, in, would you care that BYU no, won by one? No. Listen, beggars can't be choosers. Right now, BYU's a beggar in the rivalry against Utah. You get a win, you've disrupted the flow, you've changed things, now you're back in it, right? Finally, you got one. Let's go. Mitchell Dela Cruz on Facebook, a win. Honestly, BYU is facing a really good Utes team and no injuries after the game, win or lose. Okay, so the injury factor, that would be a shock if BYU has all healthy players after week one. I don't want to bring that up. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's knock on wood down here, okay? <laughs> Coming up, who's the faster Kafusi, Corbin or Devin? Matt Bushman has the answer. And the opponent preview that you never knew you needed. Probably still don't, but I think you'll like this. Jerem's 10-10, and 10, some of the best college football names that BYU will face this season. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After further review is back tonight with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, Brian Logan, and David Nixon as they break down every completion from Zach Wilson in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. It's on the BYU TV app only at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Then tomorrow we broadcast right here on BYU TV, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific. All 18 completions in a game that Zach Wilson said, you know, it wasn't my best. (laughs) Pretty good. That's the type of critique he's offering to himself. You talk about harsh critics. 
goodness. Here's Zach talk about his play. It's crazy. Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play, I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. And speaking of Mr. Jordan, we throw a little twist into his usual 10-10. and 10. It is Jerem's 20-10, the top names BYU will face this season. Ten lists in ten weeks. It's Jerem, 10-10. and 10. There's some cool names, some weird ones, too. Let's get to it. Number 20, Alex Morgan, what? tight end Toledo. How many creepy dudes DM this guy on the reg? An unfortunate name coincidence with the USA women's soccer player. Nobody needs to be sliding into those DMs. <laughs> Number 19, DJ Williams, cornerback, Utah State. We don't know if this is his real name or his DJ name Friday and Saturday nights at Classic Skating in Logan. Is there a Classic Skating in Logan? There should be if there's not. I know there's one in Ogden. Same thing, right? Number 18, Dave Small, linebacker, South Florida. Dave Moonlights as a backer for USF, but can also do your taxes come February. Over nine combined letters for a first and last name. I'd like my taxes done early. I want that return money. Dave, he's your guy. Number 17, Shaq Bond, safety, Utah State. He has the power of Shaquille O'Neal and James Bond. If he has the power of Shaquille O'Neal and James Bond, why is he not higher on this list? We're playing at a Power 5 school. Number 16, LeCarrier Pleasant Johnson, defensive back, Utah. The freshman from Phoenix seems like a nice dude. He may not be so nice on August 29th, but neither will BYU. Cannot wait. 23 days. Mm-hmm-hmm-hmm. Number 15, Naru and Shaka. Wide receiver, Toledo. Best key and peel, East-West All-Star name in the list. <laughs> Naru and Shaka. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're welcome, key and peel. Number 14, Skylar Emery, defensive line, Idaho State. The combination of Skylar Halford and Nick Emery is an interesting one. I feel like that guy would live in Pocatello, so this is perfect. I think his mustache is even better than his name. Wow, look at that. Number 13, Draco Bynum, defensive line, Washington. Is this guy an annoying, ca- annoying character in a popular book series? Or perhaps related to Laker washout Andrew Bynum, who somehow dated Rihanna at one point? <laughs> the answer may surprise you. Quite tangy brought up with Andrew Bynum. That said... Does he not hate the fact that his name is Draco? Draco. Is there any maybe, good maybe feeling it. associated with Draco? Maybe he loves it. All right. Number 12, Nigel Warrior, defensive back, Tennessee. His name is appropriate as he had 83 tackles, three forced fumbles, a pick, and a sack in 2018. Kellen Winslow Jr. thinks he's literally a warrior. Oh, snap. You had to go there. But Nigel Warrior is a fantastic football name. Number 11, Kafari Buffalo, safety, Boise State. Kafari feels like a combination of Killer Safari or something that sounds super dangerous and expensive. And are there Buffalo and Boise? I know there are goats that eat grass in neighborhoods sometimes. There they are. That's a real thing. That happens. If he's good, I so much hope he gets drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Kafari Buffalo Bills. Number 10, Jarius Abercrombie, (laughs) offensive line, Tennessee. Jarius can help protect a quarterback or get you a 3-for-39 sale on tees. I like volunteers that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. (laughs) (laughs) Number 9, Zach Matlock, quarterback, Boise State. There's no defense. Zach Matlock can't solve. Okay. Shout out to um, LFO, by the way. Remember that group? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> shout out to KBYU, which used to show Matlock. Number eight, Benton Wickersham, linebacker, Boise State. Is he really a middle linebacker? Or is he a character on Lark Rise to Candleford, which somehow took our rebroadcast space in the afternoons on BYU TV? Uh, paging Jerem Jordan to HR right now. <laughs> HR, come on. Number seven, Amon Ross St. Brown. Wide receiver, USC. By the power of Ra, Amon Ra, you're playing with the big boys now. Oh. And he's a saint, so there's that. 
There's a lot going on here. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> Number six, Chico McClatcher, wide receiver, Washington. This is a return offender from the 10 and 10 list last year. Five C's? Nice. If Chico has a good season, he'll be popular with the Chicas. Yeah! Number five, Octavius Battle, quarterback, South Florida. Is this a Greek god or a modern college football player? It sounds like Spider-Man's next foe. <laughs> Octavius Battle. This summer. Number four, Jesse Lemon. Yay! Defensive end, Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. When life gives you lemons, make lemon yay. That's French for quarterback sack. I love lemons, man. I'm just hungry. Next. I'll just eat lemons. I love eating lemons, by the way. Okay. Number three, Kikani Okoa Holomalia Gonzalez. Offensive line, Boise State. This is the greatest Polynesian-Hispanic name combo in the history of Idaho, and there have been a lot. The exact antithesis of Dave Small. (laughs) Exactly. Number two, Eddie McDoom, (laughs) wide receiver, South Florida. The Michigan transfer sounds like a Marvel villain, speaking uh-huh, of. Uh-huh. An imposing figure for opposing defenses. Combine it with the McRib, and perhaps it's the greatest thing in the history of the world. Listen, when Tom Holland takes down Octavius Battle and Eddie McDoom, it's going to make for a great movie. Oh, Tommy. And the number one name BYU will face this season is Stephen Buckshot Calvert, quarterback, Liberty. Buckshot is his legal middle name. His dad, Steve, like NASCAR driver Buckshot Jones, and it fits. <laughs> Calvert can sling it. Ask Baylor. He put up 447 in 2017, and those are the top 20 names BYU will face in the year 2019. Is that not the most NASCAR name ever? <laughs> My name's Buckshot Jones <laughs> from, from Florida. <laughs> I'm cruising to Hemi today, boys. Hey, speaking of coaching, I would love to be a NASCAR coach. Okay, oh, here's like, what you do. like a pit crew coach? Here's, no, not the pit crew. That's very complex. Just okay. the coach of the driving part. Okay. Like talk to just, him? Just bend left the whole time. I will see you later. Can you imagine? <laughs> turn right. Turn right. You're fired. Yeah. Wait, what? I turned left instead of right. What? Okay, don't believe the hype. O-line coach Eric Mateo says his O-line still has to prove themselves. We go one-on-one with Mateos. Who's the fastest player on the BYU football roster? More importantly, who's the fastest in certain head-to-head matchups? Toss-up next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Octavius Battle. Nettie McDoom. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We just went through names like Octavius Battle, Eddie McDoom, and Stephen Buckshot Calvert. If you want to hear the top 20 names that BYU will face in the 2019 season, you should download the podcast. For now, let's get back to today's headlines. Day six of BYU football fall camp. We're 23 days away, three weeks from Thursday, as BYU prepares for the Utah Utes. Kalani Satake... Knows the practices are getting harder. What's on your mind, Coach? We threw some things at the guys and made things really difficult. And, uh, whether that's uh, install or uh, the way we're, we're framing our practices, I think it's supposed to get the most out of our guys. So um, I'm not sure it's supposed to look pretty right now, but hopefully we'll, it'll look really, really nice by the time we get to the game time. Second day of full pads for BYU football. We know the time uh, of the game for BYU and UMass now. They'll play November 23rd at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on Flow Sports and Nesson. Last year, BYU TV uh, simulcast this game. We'll see what we can figure out, right? This will be the fourth and final matchup in a two-home, two-road series. Hey, Delta, don't lose my bag like you did last year for the UMass game for a similar kickoff time. Or do, and buy me a suit, and then I'll expense you. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like a win-win. 
Four BYU football players on the watch list for the College Football Polynesian Player of the Year Award. Defensive tackle Kairos Tonga. He's got a shot to win it, maybe. Moroni Lauluputitao. Hope he gets healthy. Linebacker Isaac Kafusi and wide receiver Aleva Hifo. I'm thinking Tua Tagovailoa has a better shot. I know. Yeah. Just, just saying. Kind of cool is way by the Carolina Panthers. Nakua broke into the league as an undrafted free agent in 2017 and spent time with the Browns, Ravens, and Panthers. Good luck to Kai as he pushes forward in his National Football League career. Let's play toss-up, Jerem, with an emphasis on speed. Who's Faster? Presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Ben Bagley, bring your speed to the table, my friend. Well, this is based off a comment made yesterday at Media Days. Who's Faster? So we're going to play a little game with BYU football players. Who's Faster? You guys get to choose, and we're going to start where the comment began, which is who's faster, Devin or Corbin Kafusi? Well, Matt Bushman thinks it's Devin Kafusi, so I'm going to go with Devin. Are we talking lean Corbin Kafusi, or are we talking bulked-up football Corbin Kafusi? Because when he played basketball, I would say Corbin Kafusi. I think Matt is judging the football version, which he would <laughs> have faced, right? We can, we can spin this however we want, Jerem. Okay. Corbin it is, number two. All right, number two, we'll, stick, we'll, we'll go with Devin instead. All right. All right. We may have split answers. How's that going to work? We'll figure it out. Who's faster, Devin Kafusi or Isaiah Kafusi? Oh. No, no, uh, I would think that'd be Isaiah. Yeah, I'm going with Isaiah Kafusi. He's played smaller, he plays linebacker. Smaller. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think Devin's fast for defensive linemen. It's right? Isaiah Kafusi. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so let's carry that over. Who's faster, Isaiah Kafusi or Matt Bushman? <laughs> Isaiah Kafusi. What? Yeah. Dude, Matt Bushman is sneakily quick. I, I say Matt Bushman. Mm. I got. I I think as a linebacker, Isaiah Kafusi better be faster than Matt Bushman. Can somebody solve this? Bushman. Let, let me let me ask this question. Bigger. If you, if you have to qualify someone as sneaky quick, are they actually quick? <laughs> I think Matt Bushman is fast. Have you watched Matt Bushman? Like, I think Matt Bushman can run as well as Johnny Harling did. And Johnny Harling was underrated as a fast player. Right. I would call neither of them fast. They're fast for a tight end perhaps, but not actually fast. I think Matt Bushman sense? is faster than Isaiah Kafusi. Can we please settle this at practice? Can those two please race? No, because yeah, they'll pull end, a hamstring. This is going to end up in everybody pulling hamstrings in 40 yards. It's not going to be our fault. No. They're going to do it themselves. <laughs> Can we look not. at the times? At least the coaches have the times, right? The coaches have got, they've got metrics. Why didn't we get that before this? Then we know the answer. We need, we need to prove this. Yes, we need the metrics. All right, next. Who's faster, Matt Bushman or Gunnar Romney? Better be Gunner. Oh, if it's Gunner. not Gunner, take him off scholarship. Gunner, please. <laughs> please, if it's Matt Bushman over Gunner Romney, okay. Gunner. Why, why are we His name's Gunner. Gunner. Why are we hyping Gunner if he's not faster than Matt Bushman? You don't name a slow kid Gunner. <laughs> Hopefully Gunner is not sneaky quick. He's just No, no, he's quick. fast. Yeah, he's yeah. fast. All right, so who's faster, Gunner Romney or Diane Gunwalaku? Oh, it's Diane Gunwalaku. I think, I think Diane is. Yeah, I would go with Gunwalaku. Diane is probably one of the three fastest guys on the team, I think. Behind Luke Andrada, who I think is the fastest player on the team right now out of uh, Colorado Springs. New I would, guy. I would put Bo Tanner in there, too. Still on the team, by the way. We thought he left. He's, he's back. Okay. Yeah, Diane yeah. Gawaluku, Bo Tanner, Luke Andrada. Zane Anderson also runs a 4-4. I would put Zane in there. I think okay. Zane's really fast. Yeah. Okay, so let's make this a little bit fun, then. Let's skip from the skills positions and go with Big Uglies. Who's faster, James Empey or Kairos Tonga? Okay, okay. This is a, by the way, this is a race to the buffet. If we're talking quickness, I go Kyrus. Yes, have you seen his lateral quickness? Have he you seen him very, track down running backs on the field? He was a tight end in high school. Like he didn't he wasn't always this like 325 pound guy, right? Ooh, this one's tough. 
Kyrus is lighter, too. I'd say Kyrus. He's lighter than James? Or are you saying lighter than he was? He's lost 30 pounds. Yeah, from last year. It's Kyrus. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, let's go with Kyrus. Sure. No, I'll right. defend my Portuguese-speaking homie, James Empey. <laughs> James. All right, two more. This one will go QBs. Who's faster, Zach Wilson or Jaron Hall? I'm probably going with Jaron Hall. I do think Zach is fast, but I think Jaron is like sprint speed fast. Yeah, it's it's Jaron. It's yeah. probably pretty close, but I think it's Jaron. That'd be a fun race. Yeah, Zach's sneaky fast. Is that what we're saying? No, Jaren? no, I did no. not say that. No sneaky fast. Unless, yeah, you are sneaky fast, yeah. Ben Bagley. Well, that's the thing is I've never taken that as a compliment. <laughs> With your wit and commentary, you are fast. You are sneaky. All right, last one, and maybe this one will be settled: is who's faster, Spencer Linton or Jerem Jordan? Please, please. One of us we challenged. Did, we the, did run one time, and I beat you. Yeah. Yeah, you did beat me <laughs> on the West Coast Conference court. Yes, there's evidence of this. Oh, I'd forgotten. It about has been that. several years. It has been five years since we did that. Ooh. You want to race again? Sure. <laughs> Let's do it. You guys are a couple years older, so you're gonna have to. We're doing, doing a hundred meter dash because we did a ninety-four foot dash. I'm game and back. Yeah, we, we did a one hundred eighty-eight foot dash because yeah. it was down and back. Yeah, hundred yards is more. 100 yards, no 100 meters. Yeah. <laughs> 40 is so short. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Apparently, we're going to race again. <laughs> it was an informal race. I think it's on Instagram. If you go way back in our feed. Uh-huh. Yeah. One of our initial I'm gonna, Instagram I'm gonna, videos. I'm going to look that up. During it, the was, it had to be March of 2014 when we launched the show on TV. I think so. We dorked around more than we do now. We had more time. Uh, more, more than this right now? We had more time and fewer kids. This was, yeah. <laughs> All right, there's your toss-up. This, this Who's faster? This was produced. That one was Thank random. you, Ben Bagley. BYU. Who's faster? Ben Bagley Your or mom or my mom? Jerem Jordan. Yeah. We should do that one. <laughs> Coming up, where does Andy Katz uh, like to race? And is he fast? He also has BYU basketball on the <laughs> best team of the decade. Let's see if he's fast. Does the offensive line, line for BYU echo their way through the preseason hype? We'll ask Eric Mateos. This is BYU Sports Nation. Throw him back on it. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, what's a more exciting return, football or Jeff Graham's mustache? Plus, which football player has the best dance moves? Check it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube tonight. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. What would shock you in week one of BYU football and their season opener against Utah? KJ Man Scott Blake on Facebook. Ooh. KJ Man Scott Blake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what's written in there. It would shock me if BYU lost. What? BYU has an upgraded team at almost every position and depth, and the offense will look to score as much, if not more, with three running backs. And let's not forget BYU is at home. Let's not forget that BYU has not been good at home over the last few years. Yeah, BYU has been a better road team, beating uh, Arizona and Wisconsin on the road. BYU had two Power 5 road wins last year. Two. That's awesome. And lost to Cal at home. Yeah. What did Cal end up? 7-5 or something? They weren't that great. Um, just because it's at home doesn't mean BYU's going to win. But there's going to be great juice in the stadium. I think it's going to be a special night. Hopefully we feel the same way when the uh, final second ticks off the clock. At Ames Flames, if it weren't a close game, we showed last year that BYU can hang. 
Zach. It's not picked, good enough, though. Zach picked apart Utah's fantastic defense, and he'll only do it better this year. Hashtag BYUS and hashtag QB1. We're way past hanging with Utah. It's win or lose. It's, yeah. The, 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 I've said this a bunch of times. We take some solace in the fact that the freshman quarterback went out there and, and almost won at Boise State. Not as much with Utah because that was just a ridiculous blowing of the lead, right? And it was like, oh, come on. Um, but you, you're hopeful because you go, okay, right here with the freshman quarterback. What does that mean for sophomore Zach Wilson and company? Hopefully improved things, and hopefully that means a win, right? Hanging is not good enough now. There's little room for any moral victory based on yes. losing eight in a row and because yes. BYU is lost in some of those mentally excruciatingly painful ways that you can fathom. Losers right, talk Eric, about uh, margin of loss. Fun. Winners don't talk about how much they won by. They just talk about yeah, that they this, won. This, the moral victory, that ship has sailed long ago. It's, it's win or lose. If you lose by one, it's like, yeah, no, nope. No. And, yeah. Not now. Yeah. Not now. Jerem Jordan, back to work at BYU Football Fall Camp with the new offensive line coach, Eric Mateos, who's calling out the big uglies or the big beauties, whatever you want to call them. Here's Jerem Jordan, BYU Football All Access on BYU Sports Nation. All right, Eric, uh, practice five can finally put on all the pads. What kind of difference did you see in today's practice? Uh, well, you're getting in the point of camp now um, where you're in practice five, to be honest Jake. with you. Even though we have the pants on meow, it's not really a deal where <clears throat> it's any different for us Jake, on the O-line. We've been hitting each other for a few days meow, so it's just another day for us. Through five practices, what have you really liked from your group on the offensive line? Um, I think the trans the transition from the summer work to what we're working on now, it's one of those deals where you have a lot of drills you give them to do in the summer. They know what the, you've done from the spring. They've been lifting, and now you're on the field with the defense, and you got them in front of you and translating that to actual playing football rather than lifting weights. They've been really good doing that so far. Traditionally, you want a certain amount of physicality first certain amount of contact to prepare for that first game. How has the coaching staff managed that where you don't want to get guys hurt too early, where you want to be physical, but you got a game to play in uh, three and a half weeks? Yeah, well, I don't even put that in their heads. You know, I don't let them know necessarily. If I'm rotating, um, I'll kind of do it on my own. Um, But that is my responsibility to monitor that and, to be honest with you, the first uh, week or so of pads, I'm not thinking about it a whole lot. I mean, we're trying to establish a physical identity, and we got to do it meow so we can do it on the first game. So, if we don't if we don't come out and practice it every day, it doesn't doesn't do much. So, we'll get as we get closer to the games, we'll start monitoring reps a little bit closer. How has your relationship with your position group changed since you first showed up as the new guy to now? Hey, we're in fall camp. Yeah, well, that was the objective through spring ball getting here so um, late in the process and not having a lot of time to really put my feet down and establish an identity within the spring it was really just kind of learning about each other in the spring and seeing kind of what made each other tick and they have to trust me just like I trust them and we're just kind of getting to know each other in the spring and then Really, after spring, when we had a few more times to have a couple meetings here or there, that's where we really, you know, they know what I expect. And there's no more discussion. There's no more confusion. And when we get on this field now, it's, it's, we're full-blown full going. We're going. What percentage of your day is spent thinking about the offensive line? Percentage of my day. 
Um, 97%. What's the other 3%? Uh, last night I was watching some some of the news. I like to watch some political stuff late at night. That's kind of my, you know what I'll say? It's my version of trash TV. That's my version <laughs> of the trash TV nowadays is the, is the, is the national news. So I watch it about every night for a little while before I go to bed. So that's the 3%, that's the news. 3%. Yeah. Everything else, you know, is, is I think about football. So I, you know, I'm not exactly a very exciting person. <laughs> I think you're fun. Uh, you're going the sideburns and the stash like yeah. Jeff Grimes. Yeah. Is this an offensive coaching staff decision? Is this a I got a rep with my OC? What is this? Well, to be honest, I didn't know the sideburn rule. Um, I didn't know that there was a limitation. And Welcome to Brigham. Yeah, well, I embrace it. I, I love it. <laughs> and I thought, why not? You know, when you're in training camp, it's uh, you're around all dudes all day anyway, so I got nobody to impress, and so I'm just going <laughs> to let it go. Okay, let's talk about the players uh, on the O-line. A lot of people excited because there's a lot returning, a lot of young guys who have received uh, notable grades from pro football focus and whatnot. What does that mean to you knowing the type of group you have, yet you still have to mold and improve this group? Uh, well, now let me just say this. is I know, uh, and I don't want to put disrespect on our players, but it's just getting kind of old talking about last season. And my message to the guys, and I said this to somebody the other day, is that, to be honest with you, they give freshman All-American to any freshman that starts and plays the whole season. That's just what they do. That's just that's how college football works. And I'm not don't, not trying to downplay it, but it's just it's, it's more about us doing what we want to do this year and talking about anything that we've already accomplished. Everybody has a clean slate. Everybody's got something to prove. We've got lots of competition, and there's no guarantee that anyone's going to have their job, and that's the way it has to be in this position. And They're hungry, uh, maybe more meow than they've ever been before, but I want to keep it going. Tell me about some of the individuals in the group who are the leaders right now and what they're doing to lead. We have a lot of leaders. Um, we got guys that lead in different ways, vocal guys, like uh, Tristan and Harris are vocal. James is vocal. Uh, Brady is more um, by example. Kiefer's by example. Chandon, Thomas Schoff by example. We got a lot of guys that have their own way of doing things, so I don't like to just put one guy as the alpha. The alpha will emerge, as always, and maybe a couple, but I don't want to say that one or two guys are the leaders. We got a lot of guys that lead in their own way. Will it require uh, more than five dudes to get it done this year on the O-line? The more you got, the merrier. You know, I've been around lines where you had the same five. I think 2015 in Arkansas, we had the same five for every snap of the season. doesn't happen very often. Every snap? Every snap. Wow. And we were a really good line. And Coach Sam Pittman at Georgia was the leader of that, and I was the GA. But we had a really good line, and they played every snap. But that doesn't happen very often, so... The way, I, the way I see it, we need to have eight guys that can win football games. So if we have eight guys that can win games, we'll be a great O-line. We'll be able to sub a little bit here and there. And the way we're transitioning this offense to get more plays in, you know, we might not, we're not going to be playing 65-play games. Our goal is to be playing 85, 90, 95-play games on offense. And when you do that, it's nice to get a 20-play spell um, at a position or two. So that's the plan. Who's, with that in mind, who's in the best shape on the O-line right now? Um, Chandon Herring and Tristan Hodge. Yeah, they are, uh, those two guys are freaky. They are freaky in shape. They're freaky strong. 
They're freaky fast. They're just they're on another level athletically, and they worked this summer, and so they can just go. They just go. But we got some other guys that might not be in as good a shape but are mentally tough, and that, that might be just as important as running laps, man. That Utah defensive line has certainly been a strength over the years. Uh, I guess what kind of uh, emotions come to mind when you think about the exciting challenge that is the Utah defense uh, coming up on August 29th? Well, if we're gonna if we're gonna put ourselves um, at a level that where we have high expectations, then we can't want to play against lesser opponents. And the only way that you can really be great and consider yourself a great unit is by playing against great units and performing well. And that's all we're really concerned with. They have a fantastic um, defense. They have a fantastic D-line with, with two great coaches coaching their D-line. I have a lot of respect for And uh, we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready. They're going to be ready. And that's what you want. And a lot, of, a lot is made of the schedule. But the fact is, if you don't want this kind of schedule, you don't have a pulse, and you don't really belong in Division One major college football. So this is just what we're about, and this is what we're going to be about. We hope, we wish that we had more Power 5 games. We wish we had 8-9. So hopefully it gets to that soon. Let's finish with this. On media day, Jeff Grimes had a 25-second spell where he just stared into the ether. Yeah. What? Yeah. While you were talking. Yeah. What happened? Was your answer boring? Was he bo- Like, what happened? The only thing I could think of is that he was wondering one of two things. Did he leave the garage open when he left? And probably wondering if his kids were practicing hard at their sports practices. Other than that, or he could have been thinking about food, too. Like, he's probably thinking about, because right before we did that interview, we had, like, 20 seconds to scarf a lunch down. I had just ran over and changed in my car from summer camps. And so I was, like, panting out of breath. And then he had been doing that all day. And so, I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) That was a bad position for us to be in. Hopefully next year we don't have to do that. That was incredible. And he didn't blink either. No, well, uh, Grimey's got... uh, He's kind of got this compelling stare, and even like you could ask the players, he's got some eyes now that'll mm-hmm. that'll that'll go through your soul. So you doing an impersonation of him? Yeah, I'm not even. No, I'm you're not. Even gonna you're not even going to try. No, you're going to try on the facial hair, but not this. I'm no, I'm not going to impersonate his stare. <laughs> I won't do it justice, and there's no way I could do it. I can I can go without blinking for about five seconds. That's it. Yeah, okay. I got. I'm look. I mean. I, You've already, I've already lost you, yeah. my attention like six times during this interview, so I can't focus. <laughs> well, Eric, we appreciate the time. Good luck in fall camp. Yeah. Let's give you the BYU Sports Nation karma, the good luck with the big uglies. Yeah, thank you very much. Go Cougs. Mateos, one-on-one with Jerem Jordan. Who won that battle, Jerem? He told me after that he said the word meow seven times in that interview. Did, Did you, you notice any of them? Did you hear meow seven times? I only noticed once. But, yeah, he had a lot of things to say there, and we have no time to discuss it, but we will at some point. Okay. We did earlier in the show. Coming up, a Cougar in the NFL gets waved. Plus, Jackson Clough hits another home run. Cougars in the minor leagues continue to crush it, literally. What's the streak now for uh, consecutive games with a hit? This is BYU Sports Nation. It's 56, like Doge Dynamite. Welcome back to the show. Shout out to today's guest, BYU offensive line coach Eric Mateos. Shows on demand via the podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio app. Let's whip it.
It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. BYU done full pads for the first time in practice five yesterday. Kalani Sataki said it was a good practice, but BYU needs to progress by having some struggles in camp. Quote, it's supposed to look really nice when we get to game time. Beat UMass. Speaking of UMass, BYU and the Minutemen will play November 23rd at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on Flow Sports and NESN. This will mark the fourth and final matchup in a two-home, two-road series between the Cougars and Minutemen. Four BYU players are on the watch list for the College Football Polynesian Player of the Year Award. Kairos Tonga, Moroni Laulu Pututau, Isaiah Kafusi, and Aleva Hifo. CBS College Football rankings for all 130 teams are out. BYU in at number 49. Cougar opponents Washington at 11, Utah 13, Boise State 29, and Utah State 43rd, BYU's lowest-ranked opponent, the aforementioned UMass, at 122. Stink. Cougars in the NFL. Kind of cool. was waived by the Carolina Panthers yesterday. Nakua broke into the league as an undrafted free agent in 2017. Has spent time with the Browns, Ravens, and Panthers. Basketball. BYU, according to Andy Katz, one of the top college basketball teams over the last decade. He said on NCAA.com, the Cougars are a 13 seed playing against 4 seed Florida in his 64-team votable bracket. Another basketball note, BYU apparently is playing Houston on November 15th. Cougars in the minors. In single A, Jackson Clough extended his hitting streak to 10 games yesterday, hitting a homer in a 3-1 Hagerstown Suns loss to the Columbia Fireflies. Colton Mahoney pitched five innings, gave up two runs, struck out five, and a 5-2 New Orleans Baby Cakes win over the Salt Lake Bees. Colton Mahoney, Triple A baseball, John. Oh, he's up in Triple A. Nice. Go. Let's go. Wait. Today's rise and shout-outs now. My rise and shout-out goes to the worst quarterback form I've ever seen with my eyes, and it comes from a show on Freeform. It's so bad that it makes Uncle Rico look really good in Napoleon Dynamite. There's nothing rising about that. Demotion? Oh, no, it's, yeah. it's gonna, it will live yeah. with us forever, so I'm happy about it, actually. Mine goes to Marlins rookie Isan Dion, who homered off Jacob deGrom for his first MLB hit. While his dad was being interviewed, it was awesome. Yeah. Diaz, thank you. Our question of the day. What would shock you in week one of BYU football against Utah? Our lead voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountains Road at Brett Parker 6. A game with a margin of victory of more than three or four points. He's in line with us. Hey. No, no, I just want to win by one. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Sorry, no Dennis Pitta. Bye. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Kyle Bellini.